Hey everyone, it's Ken. In today's episode, we've got a special guest, Thomas or Tom Marr. Many of you might know him from LinkedIn and is uh, helping a lot of people around the world. But Tom's a veteran of the U.S. military. He's worked in a variety of cybersecurity roles over the years. He's got several college degrees, a bunch of industry certs. He does volunteer work, especially with different uh, security vendor or certification vendor organizations. And like I said before, he's helped thousands of people get started in cybersecurity. So we're going to talk about Tom's career journey in this episode from being active duty military and how he kind of made his way into the what we call this crazy world of cybersecurity. But I want to stress that we often go off track in this episode, so it's a little longer than usual because both Tom and myself are sharing a lot of good life advice as well as career advice for you. So hopefully we can cut through some of the BS noise of social media with this episode and share what really works to help you get your next job. Now, I want to caution you that this episode does have some profanity in the natural Ken style. So if you don't want to hear cursing at all, it's probably not the episode for you. But more so, this episode really has a ton of value in it. So I encourage you, even if you don't like profanity, to at least take a listen to it because we do share a lot of good information in this episode. So without further ado, let's just dive right in and we'll learn from Tom. So thanks again for joining today, Tom. Really appreciate you uh, having you on the show. Um, today we're going to talk about Tom's journey. Uh, he's a former military individual um, doing some things that he'll he'll chat about uh, for what he can chat about. And then now he's in the private sector, but still kind of doing some of that public sector work. So um, first off, welcome, Tom. Appreciate you coming on the show, like I said. Uh, so I just want to kind of dive into your origin story. Like what got you into cybersecurity? Like what, what was kind of that bug or or the interest or like what, what led you into this particular career path? Absolutely, Ken. It's a pleasure to be here. So I guess I'd start with whenever I, enlist, I enlisted in the military. When I enlisted in the military, my goal from the very beginning was to make the stay there as short as possible. I wanted to stay in long enough to use my enlistment as a springboard into tech. So whenever I finished my training, I began pursuing a bachelor's of science in computer science. Uh, after I finished the training required to become a signals intelligence analyst, which was my job in the Army. Uh, during my enlistment, cybersecurity as a technical career field was brought to my attention as requiring translatable skills relevant to my military role. And as I, as I looked deeper into this field and the need for skilled professionals, I learned which cybersecurity roles would fit best with my military-acquired skill set. Uh, but I had no real plan up until my leadership invited a LinkedIn influencer named Michael Quinn to speak with my brigade. I would say this is probably the most pivotal moment in my origin story, so to speak, because Michael Quinn taught me a skill that many prospective career transitioners overlook, and that's professional networking. Prior to Michael's talk, I didn't know how to show my determination and technical skill set to people who would appreciate it. But after his talk, I was actually able to approach him, and he helped me one-on-one, -on -one, set up my LinkedIn profile, and he taught me how to network with professionals who would appreciate my eagerness and achievements on the way to becoming a cybersecurity professional. It was also on LinkedIn that I learned how to, and why I should, focus on an achievement-centered resume instead of using generic bullet points about my responsibilities. So after initially trying to skip the beginner steps and go straight into the uh, industry-regarded CompTIA Security Plus certification, I took a step back and I realized I needed to stay both humble and honest with myself. I needed to learn more about what I was securing before I could learn how to secure it. So that step back ended up with being what a CompTIA recommends prior to taking Security Plus to this day, and that's the Network Plus secured certification. 
Network Plus included concepts that I was already familiar with uh, due to my specialized military training as a signals intelligence analyst. So studying for it helped me understand many essential concepts, and it really became the foundation for most of my studies uh, afterward. After my LinkedIn activity caught the attention of some noteworthy figures in the industry like yourself, Ken, I became somewhat of a cybersecurity influencer myself and was invited to multiple side gigs during my military service where I gained valuable and resume-worthy experience. I still help CompTIA with their cybersecurity exams as a member of their Certification Advisory Committee to Cybersecurity. I also received multiple opportunities to pass on what I learned as a mentor, which both solidified my industry understanding and grew my reputation. When it did become time for me to leave the military service, I both alerted my LinkedIn network and created a profile on clearance jobs because the security clearance I received during my military service was still active. It's very valuable, by the way, if you have a security clearance and you're in the military, keep that in mind. Uh, so between those two actions, alerting my LinkedIn network and creating a profile on clearance jobs, I received more interview invitations than I had time for during the initial five months uh, prior to me leaving the military service. And I actually did not apply to many of those roles. And if I did, it was as a formality. And that was a direct result of years of professional networking. When the dust finally did settle, I received three job offers near the end of my military service. As a final step of breaking into cybersecurity, I accepted a government cybersecurity consultant role with a mid-sized comp uh, mid company, a cybersecurity vendor named Logarithm. That might be a satisfying end for most listening to the story, but it wasn't for me. Like I transitioned into cybersecurity, but that, that wasn't enough. I was still hungry. So two years after concluding my time with Logarithm, I accepted a cybersecurity engineer role at Lockheed Martin Skunk's program, which is one of the more prestigious, secretive, and elite engineering programs in the world. And I still work with them to this day. So my whole transition experience, I not only learned new skills, but I also learned to stay humble and to never disqualify myself when I'm given an amazing opportunity. So you literally just dropped a, a whole bunch of uh, value bombs in, in what you were saying. And so I want to pull out three things that I think are probably areas where people struggle the most. So of course, we'll talk about networking, resume stuff. And then you also mentioned that when you were going to TechSec Plus, you recognize, ooh, I need to really understand those fundamentals before I try to secure things. I need to understand what they are, you know, what, what am I actually securing? And I think that right there is one of the big gaps these days, right? The media perpetuates this whole lie of there's trillions and trillions of jobs. Well, maybe not trillions, but millions of jobs open in cybersecurity. And the reality is most of those are for experienced people. There's a very, very small amount of what we would quote unquote call entry-level jobs. Now, Tom came from military where he was doing basically cybersecurity type of work, even though it wasn't called that. And so he's different because he came with experience from military. It wasn't directly like cybersecurity on his resume necessarily, but it was very related to the types of responsibilities. But what I'm getting at is I think a lot of you listening to this are, are trying to jump the gun. I, I think, number one, there's a lot more jobs in the general IT world. It's like sysadmin, cloud architect, cloud engineer, things like that, network engineer, et cetera. There's a lot more jobs open. Many of them pay more than quote unquote cybersecurity jobs like pen tester. And I, I really think to be an effective security professional, and you recognize this, Tom, you know, in yourself as you went to take this hurt plus or the sec plus, you really need to understand what you're securing. Like if I go around and try to install door locks, I, I you know, if I don't really understand the door itself, 
yeah, I could put a lock on the door, but is it the best lock for that particular client? You know, I, I don't know because I'm not skilled in that area. I don't understand the fundamentals. I mean, I understand the fundamentals of a door. You turn the knob, it opens, right? You unlock it, it opens. But as far as like the structure of a door, things like that, I don't understand. So when we take a step back on the IT side, if we if we focus on the architecture of things, how things are built from the ground up, because all the fancy stuff we have these days, all the blinky lights, that all started with a ghetto looking version of things way back in the day. And if we understand the ghetto looking version of things and how to secure that, then we become much better practitioners. So that's one part of what you were saying. I think the resume is also gold. And I talk about that a lot. And, and you mentioned, I forget the term you used. I think you said value add or, or something like that. But yeah, show the value on your resume. Most people's resumes are written for academia because unfortunately, well, fortunately or unfortunately, you're using career services and many of them have never worked a real job in their life. They've only worked in academia because when they got out of school, that's all they could get. Not knocking anybody working in academia, by the way, because I've got many friends that do. But many people just, ha I mean, they haven't worked a cybersecurity job. Let's just call it like it is. And so what hiring managers really want to see is they want to see the value, as Tom mentioned. Show me what you can actually do or what you've done in the past. Instead of saying, I ran a vulnerability scan, tell me about that. Like, What tool did you use? What was the outcome? Did you find a vulnerability? Okay, what was the criticality of that? You know, for what you can share. Maybe you did classify work and you can't share too much, but just say, hey, it was a level, you know, it was a 9.1 vulnerability or something, right? Like a CVE. Tell me, you know, tell me a little more about that vulnerability, even at a high level, so I can know the impact you can have. And then I think the, 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 the most valuable part of what I think you were saying as you were sharing your story there, Tom, was a networking piece. As Tom mentioned, he focused on building the networking before he needed to tap into it. And I think that's another thing, right? People will send me messages. I haven't had these in a while, thankfully, but like, oh, I'm, I'm homeless now. I need a job tomorrow. That's not my problem, right? I don't, I don't know who the heck you are, right? And I'm certainly not going to stamp my brand into you and neither is Tom. But if you cultivate a relationship, and I like to give an example of a young woman that um, I believe she's originally from Nigeria. And so she came to the US, she's doing school, finished her school, um, got a job, all that good stuff here in the US. And then she wanted to get, um, again, I don't know what it's called these days specifically, but way back in the day, we called a green card, whether or not that's offensive, I don't know. Um, it is what it is. Unfollow us if you don't like that, but whatever it is, basically a, a permanent residency, essentially, right? For the US, where you're not a US citizen, but you can live here without having to go through and get more um, temporary visas and all that stuff. So she was going for that. She asked me to write a letter to uh, Homeland Security for her, which I gladly did. But again, she had spent years cultivating a relationship with me for me to feel comfortable writing that letter. I shared that story on social media. And then like two days later, some random dude, I don't know who the hell he was, sent me a message on LinkedIn, like, oh, I need this letter and whatever. I'm like, I don't know who you are, right? Like, what is this, you know, essentially, right? So I said, no, I'm not going to write that. And then they blocked me. So my point with all that story is that you're networking, you need to do that before you need it. Um, another example of the power of networking real quick, and then we'll jump into Tom because it's not about Ken, but we want to drop um, nuggets of gold for you. Uh, lots, a young of woman, lots of gold nuggets. Yeah, I mean, you know, it is what it is, right? That's that's why we do these episodes, try to just share some wisdom. Hopefully hopefully someone listens to it. You know, Tom, I, some people listen to it and it goes one, one ear out the other, but you know, I digress. But, but someone reached out recently and they had gotten laid off. And um, because I had already built a relationship with the CEO of a company, I was able to introduce that person to the CEO. So instead of going through the typical hiring process, you throw your resume in a pile of 10,000 and maybe somebody sees it, maybe they don't, blah, blah, blah. You wait for weeks to hear back. No, within a day, this person had an interview 
And granted, it's a smaller company, but they had an interview. And within a couple of weeks, they had an offer. So this person that got laid off could have done the traditional route and gone and applied on LinkedIn like everybody else does and been trying to get a job a year from now still. But instead, they built that relationship with me. And because I felt comfortable stamping my brand on them, I then reached out to someone who basically owned the company. And then it's much easier when the resume stuff becomes a formality, right? So when, you, when you're able to network effectively and, and get to a certain point where people feel comfortable, quote, quote unquote, stamping their brand on you, that's where you can get a job within days where you've been struggling for six months or a year or whatever, all of a sudden, because you networked, not because you got another certification, not because you got another college degree, you know, not because you did some social media challenge bullshit. Um, it's my podcast. I can curse. Um, you know, not no, no social media bullshit challenges, right? But because you network properly, you literally can get a job within days, if not a you know a matter of weeks. So, I really want to just pull those out of what you said, Tom, because I think those are those three things are so critical. Number one, showing your value in your resume and also your LinkedIn. Number two, the networking side, and number three, understanding what the heck you're trying to secure. And there's nothing wrong. I think. I think what I've seen over maybe the past five or six years in, in the cybersecurity world is there's like this, almost like this subliminal thing that that's that's kind of like, oh, you shouldn't work in IT. You should only go for cybersecurity, quote unquote, jobs. Like you should not get an IT type of job, even though cybersecurity is repped into anyways. But you shouldn't get like sysadmin. You shouldn't be a network engineer. You shouldn't be a cloud architect or or solutions architect or anything like you shouldn't do those things because cybersecurity is a sexy thing. And that's, you got to go save the world, but you can do cybersecurity tasks in those jobs. And what I'm getting at is, is you really, a lot of you listening to this that are struggling to find jobs right now, you can, I mean, even product management, you can get jobs. Like you can get an interview this week for a job. If you stop trying to get a quote unquote cybersecurity job, because there's a lot more jobs in the other realm. And I think if you can get the experience in those areas, see how an enterprise actually functions, see how your part as say a cloud architect plugs into it all. Then from there, if you still want to do a like cloud security engineer job, it's so much easier, right? Because you've already got experience. You've already got experience in a cloud space working maybe as for a consulting company or, or something, and, and you understand how the business functions. It's so much easier to transition from that than it is from you working at McDonald's right now, trying to go into you know, pen, I want to be a pen tester or I want to be, you know, I want to uh, be a SOC analyst or cybersecurity analyst or cybersecurity engineer. Um, I'll share one other little thing real quick. When you're looking at education programs, I know we're getting off subject a little, but when you look at education programs, a lot of these boot camps and colleges, they will tell you placement rates. I would say probably 99% of their quote unquote placement rate is into a IT help desk job. So before you go spending a hundred grand in college or what are these boot camps? I think 10 or 20 grand now, before you spend all that money, ask yourself, do I want to spend all this money to get an IT help desk job? Or would I want to go do like net plus and maybe a plus and maybe sec plus spend maybe, I don't know what are the exams, 250 or something now or 300 bucks. But let's just say you spend a thousand dollars on exam vouchers and courses to pass those three certs or even a couple of cloud certs or whatever but you spent a grand and now you're much more likely to get a job versus paying 20 grand. Right. And again, you've got to figure out what works for you. But like, I think all of you that are listening to this, that are trying to get your first job, take a step back and, and really absorb some of the things that Tom shared on here about, of course, networking, a resume, LinkedIn, you know, the value stuff, but also taking that step back and really understanding the fundamentals 
because oftentimes the fundamentals and, and I'll tell you last thing I'm going to say, cause this is, you know, I'm talking too much. Tom should be the one talking on this, but, but the last thing I'm going to say is I've spoken to a lot of hiring managers over the past 18 to 24 months. The number one thing they ask for or that they want a candidate to have that they don't have is the fundamentals. They don't understand the fundamentals of systems. They don't understand the fundamentals of networking. They think the cloud is some magical thing on steroids. They don't realize it's just fundamental <laughs> IT stuff, right? Like if you, like they don't understand these things. That's the biggest gap right now. It's not, you don't have sec plus or what's the ISC squared when they came out with it. Everyone's claiming it's the best ever. Uh, the um, CC. Yeah, 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 CC, yeah. Certificate in cloud cybersecurity or something like that. And then you've got Google cybersecurity. Like you don't need another freaking cert. You really don't, unless you're in the government space. But if you're not, which is most people, you don't need another cert. You need the fundamentals, you know, and that's that's the biggest gap. Anyways, let's go back to you, Tom. You shared your story. You know, you came from military, now you're private sector, and now you're doing government work in the private sector. But if you think back to your military service, so excluding the excluding the cybersecurity or the tech skills you got in there and excluding the networking, which you've already talked about, but like, are there other kind of skills or things you, you learned in the military? So let's just pretend that a, a mechanic in the army is listening to this right now. They want to transfer into a tech career. Like, are there some transferable skills that you, you felt you gained in the military that are transferable to your career? Absolutely. And if I'm dropping gold nuggets, Ken, you are dropping platinum nuggets. Let me just start by saying that. Thank you. Uh, I would say uh, aspects from a military experience that I found transferable to my work in cybersecurity today, I would, I would name three that were the most transferable, two of those being technical skills. So the first technical skill I would say would be learning how to correlate and contextualize data as an analyst. One of the entry points into cybersecurity that is often mentioned on LinkedIn from cybersecurity professionals is a SOC analyst. That's almost perfect, a perfect one-to-one -one transition from some, a job like mine, because I worked in a SOC myself, not a security operations center, but a SIGINT operations center. And I still had to learn how to correlate and contextualize data, how to isolate valid intelligence to my mission and get rid of all the, the fuzz everything that wasn't relevant. That was the first skill that I learned during my military service. I'd say the second one would be a different kind of networking. Networking is important, but in terms of cybersecurity, I'd say one of the pillars is computer networking. That's why I stepped back and I took the Network Plus certification because it was one I was comfortable with because I already learned some computer networking. I had to for my military training. Uh, the third skill I'd say is less technical. It, but it's simple. It's determination. And that's something I, that's one of the biggest things I took from the military. Don't give up. And if you can't find a way, make one. For those transitioning from the military, when, when you made that transition, you know, of course you did the networking stuff. So you kind of prepared more than, than some people, I think, but were there any like big challenges or like unexpected obstacles or barriers that you, that you felt you encountered? Like when you went from active duty out to private sector, anything that you, that maybe you maybe you even thought about it, but you weren't fully prepared for it, or just something that kind of popped up and and threw you off a little bit. And and with that, how'd you overcome that stuff? Absolutely. Uh, so I think part of your question ties well into the last question. Uh, one of my answer to the last question, which is filtering uh, relevant information from irrelevant information. Uh, and I had to do a lot of a lot of that uh, to this day. Uh, I have to do a lot of that to this day, but while I was in the military, there were other soldiers in my unit who, in their free time, they were playing video games or scrolling through Facebook. 
my mindset was that's irrelevant to me. I'm not trying to become number one in Donkey Kong or whatever people play nowadays or scroll through Instagram or become the most followed Instagrammer. I'm trying to become a cybersecurity professional. And because that mindset, I, I find myself more drawn to real life accomplishments and those are best shared in an area where people can appreciate those accomplishments like LinkedIn, like we were both mentioning. It's, it's incomparable in my opinion, real life accomplishments versus something in the virtual world. In terms of challenges uh, faced uh, whenever I was transitioned from the military, I'd say the biggest one was learning how to convey my value in business language and formatting my resume. Uh, thankfully, I did help. I did have help with uh, doing both from recruiters near the end of my military service. It was once those problems were fixed, that's when I was bombarded with interview invitations, like I was mentioning er earlier. Those two were my biggest roadblocks, learning how to convey my resume in business language and formatting my resume. So I want to back up just to, and just do a comment on you. You mentioned the social media thing, you know, like you, you notice other soldiers were just playing on social media or playing video games, whatever. I think a lot of people spend so much time on social media, they may not even realize it. And they are, they're always like, I don't have time, but, but you do. And so one, one activity I just want to share that, that I, I even still do to this day is set an alarm on your phone for the, you know, for each hour essentially. Right. And you can pick a day off. So it's easier if you don't want to interrupt your work day, but basically just set that alarm. So at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, whatever. And at the time, at the each hour, when that alarm goes off, take a piece of paper or in your phone notes, however you want to do it. And just think about what you did that past hour, right? Was it on Netflix? Were you on social media? Were you checking email? Like, what were you doing? Like, list all the things in there. And and if you can, if you notice that you're checking your phone, like social media apps or whatever, try to track how many times, you know, like, for example, put um, TikTok time. I don't use TikTok, but TikTok times four <laughs> or something, you know, in that hour. And just so you kind of keep track, you're going to be surprised when you start tracking things, like how much time you waste online, not necessarily just on social media, but also like searching Google or, or whatever, the things that are just, you're just kind of playing around with. Right. And when you recognize that, when you actually track things, you know, cause what you measure are things you can change. If you never measure it, you never can change it, which is why I go into your, your, your uh, conversation earlier about the analyst stuff and understanding how to interpret data. That's all we're doing here, right? You're just an analyst and you're gathering information in this case on yourself in your habits and then you're going to make an educated decision based on the context of that information so again it just gives you that context to say oh look at me I'm, i am spending you know six hours a week well most of you probably spend a hell of a lot more but let's say six yeah. hours a week on social media now you know you got six hours a week that okay i'm going to cut that to two hours on social media um, now i got four hours that i can learn something new to improve my you know my career because i think another misconception with social media Everybody thinks this stuff is easy. Like you, like you look at someone like Tom or Ken, and you think that you think that we sat on the couch. I don't even know. Do they even have bonbons anymore? I don't know. But anyways, back in the day, we'd, we'd say you're sitting on the couch eating bonbons. So th these days, I don't know. You're eating some Doritos or something. But like, like there's a misconception that, like, I I just speak for myself. Eighteen to twenty hour days for over twenty years. That's reality. For right. what you all see on social media, you're like, oh wow, this dude, wow, this is crazy. Yeah, because I sacrificed a ton to get to where I'm at, right? Like it wasn't like, I think there's a misconception, especially with the younger generation. I'm going to knock, knock on you guys or not going to knock on you guys too much, but 
I, I think social media lends people because of all these gurus, they think that they just got to film one video and like people owe them a career. No, like you've got to work very hard. The people that you see at the quote unquote top or what you perceive at the top of the industry, we were, uh, before we started recording, we we're talking about Chris Roberts and his long beard. Chris puts in, Chris puts in like 30 hour days, right? That dude's always busy. 30 hour days. He's built a time machine and he's able to, you know, stop time and do 30 hour days. People put in the work, you know, and I think that's social media. My biggest issue with social media is there's many issues, but one of the key ones is that people think it's so damn easy. And, and when you're, if you've got time to, you know, and, and I'll take this with some context, I guess I'll, with, with what I'm about to say, because you guys will see me following people and commenting on the pro stuff like that. But for most of you, especially if you're starting out in your career, unless you're commenting to add value with the full purpose of networking with that person, that's posting that information and building a relationship to help you get jobs or accelerate your career, you're wasting your time. Like, especially if you're wasting energy on, there's a lot of, um, so I call them energy vampires on social media. And so essentially it's the people that just want to pick fights with you, just be a dick, just to get your energy, right? To get you get you upset and you throwing comments in all of a That's why I don't do political posts or any of that stuff, right? It's a waste trolls. of my time, right? It's yeah, no, trolls, right? Assholes, jerks, whatever you want to call them. Um, you know, the Larry's in accounting of the world, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> by the way, if you're Larry, some guy named Larry in accounting listening to this, we love you. But but you, there's a lot of people out there like that just for trying to trying to suck up your time because they have no life, they're not successful. And they see you being successful and they're like, how dare they, right? Um, I like to, there's a good um, example. I had a, I had a course years ago and, you know, five star, like five, like everybody was leaving five stars. This one person left to one star. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, there's probably room for improvement or whatever. Maybe they clicked it wrong accidentally, whatever. So I reached out to the person like, hey, notice you left to one star. Was that accidental? You know, is there something I can improve? Like, let me know. The answer, can you guess the answer, Tom, before I give it to you? Uh, you did too good. Makes me feel bad about myself. Kind of, sort of. It, it was along those lines of, of dumb shit, right? It was basically the fact that everybody else was leaving good reviews, so they felt they had to leave one negative one, even though they loved the course. Like, they literally told me the message, love the course, phenomenal, one of your best courses, but this is the reason why. You know, so, so I'm saying that wow. to say that a lot of you out there, as you're doing your career and as you're posting on social media, you're going to deal with these assholes of the world or jerks. You know, again, it's my podcast. I'll curse if I want to, um, but you're going to deal with them. Right. But which I, what I want you to understand is that no matter what you do, there's always going to be someone that's an asshole to you. There's always going to be a jerk. Like no matter what you do, you can, you can put a cute cat video or dog video on YouTube. Someone's going to thumb it down. doesn't matter. You have, you have no, there's nothing you could do about that idiot, right? You can't, you're not going to change them. Arguing with them doesn't work. That's just silly, right? Um, I like to, another thing I like to share is that, and, and if you're observant in life, if you interact with extremely wealthy people versus broke people, many broke people always got something to say about you and what you're doing and all the stuff like that. I have yet to encounter anyone with a net worth higher than me I mean, there's assholes, right? But like anyone that's um, degrading on a goal you have is the way I'll put that. So like there's assholes for sure, right? There's a lot of assholes, um, especially when everyone's got money, everyone's an asshole, right? But what I'm talking about is that like, if you're like, yeah, I got this cool idea for this thing I'm working on, 
I have yet to meet someone that's like, you're a fucking retard, right? Like they're going to be like, oh, that's a cool idea. And a lot of times, even if they're an asshole, like personally, they're going to be like, oh, talk to Tom because he's really good at that thing that you were looking for, right? Like they're, they're going to try to connect you with somebody because that's the way that successful people do it. They don't sit there and waste their time talking about so-and-so. Like I'm not talking about these people on social media that are just trying to get you to, to look at their posts and buy their stuff, right? Like if we do politics for a minute, like Donald Trump is a genius marketer. I don't like to do it at all. I'm, I'm, you know, I stay out of politics, but I don't like him. Some people like him, whatever. We're not talking about that. I'm talking about the dude's a genius marketer because he pisses so many people off. All you think about is him, right? Like, <laughs> you, think about that. you know what I'm saying? Like, like all these people that are talking shit on social media, these celebrities and stuff, you think about them because they're talking shit or they're saying something or whatever, right? It just goes back to marketing 101 of polar, what we call polarity of, oh, us versus them, essentially, right? People want to belong to a tribe. It's us versus them. Like some people are Taylor Swift fans. Some people are Beyonce fans. Some people like both, whatever, you know, but if you say something bad about one, everyone's, you know, tearing you up on social media. It's that same concept. So I'm trying to educate all of you listening to this that like, don't get yourself wrapped up in that crap, like at all, literally, if you can avoid it, like don't get emotional because the people that are really successful that don't have to make their money that way by getting you pissed off on social media, they're always very helpful to you, right? They always want to see you succeed because honestly, there's a ton of money still left at the top. There's a lot of room at the top. The problem is a lot of people don't want to work hard to get to the top because it takes a lot of work and a long time. And if you believe social media, everything happens in 24 hours, right? But the reality is it's a lot of hard work and that's why not everyone's able to be a certain level of success you know, because they, they want to put in the work. So I totally took us way off what uh, we were talking about, but I want to share that about social media. Cause I think a lot of people, especially people that are, um, that are maybe a couple, one or two years into like trying to become a thought leader where they're posting on LinkedIn and doing YouTube and stuff like that. I had someone reach out um, probably a month or two ago now, um, but they were asking, cause they were getting haters. Right. But the thing to remember about haters is that when you're not successful, you don't have a damn hater in the in your in your life, none, because you're not doing anything, right? You're right there at their level, but you're gonna get haters as you become more successful. It's the same way, like like if I go to, I don't do fast food, but like if I did fast food, and I had to change my mindset, right? So like back in the day, like someone's rooting fast food or something, or or the grocery store or something like that, like I'd be like, ah, you know, but then I was like. <laughs> You know, like, I mean, I pay more fast food now, but I was like, you know, when I worked fast food, I made minimum wage. Like, do I really care about the opinion of someone making minimum wage? And I'm not saying that to be like, oh, I want to listen to someone minimum wage. But like, if they're a dick to me, do I really care? Honestly, like they still got to do their work day and I'm about to go home and chill, right? Same with the grocery store. Like I'm here getting my groceries and they're on their feet all day checking me out. Like, you know, checking people out of the groceries, like put it in context. And again, I'm not saying that you can't take advice from people, right? I mean, I've got great advice from a homeless dude before, right? That's not what we're talking. That's not what I'm bringing up here, right? Before anyone's like, on social media. Uh, by the way, in the description below, I'll leave an invisible email address. You send all your hate mail there. Uh, we'll never check it, by the way. But <laughs> like, like you can get advice from anyone. You can get mentorship from anyone. That's why I hate the whole mentor concept shit because people think it's got to be someone successful. Like some of my best life advice came from a homeless dude in San Francisco Bay Area when he told me to look up and see the world, totally fucking game, total fucking game changer for me on my entire life, my entire life's purpose, all that shit from a homeless dude that nobody else talked to. That was totally fucking drunk off his ass, smelled like liquor from a mile away, walked away after he gave me that advice, never saw him again. And funny, funny thing is his name was Tommy. Um, 
And uh, it, but the best, some of the best life life advice I've ever gotten was from him. But he's a homeless dude, right? And everyone else would discredit him. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if they're an asshole to you, look at how successful they are. Because what you're going to find is that if someone's a total dick to you, they're not as 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 successful as you think. So that's that's where I'm going to leave that as. So that's my whole spiel on social media. So hopefully that helps someone out there and helps you, you know, get, get some more um, self-esteem, et cetera. So because of Ken's rambling, we've got gone, you know, a little over time. So I hope you have a few more minutes, Tom. I just want to dive into a little bit more here. I so, got all the time in the world. It's for the weekend. Oh, uh, well, there you go, man. We're going to be here for 12 hours. And um, <laughs> so I want to just real quick before I get your, your final thoughts and, and advice for people listening, you know, as far as career stuff, when you think of employers and Lockheed Martin is probably not the best example because they, work in the government space, but just kind of in general, like when you went to logarithm, for example, how did you, how do you think employers maybe in general or based on your own experience, how do you think they perceive that military experience? Do you feel that they, that they're more inclined to kind of hire military? Do you feel they they understand the value there or is it just kind of like, Oh yeah. Okay. That's nice. You're military. We don't care. Like, do you, do you feel that it gives you essentially, does it give you a leg up having some military background at all? Absolutely. And great point about Lockheed Martin not being the best example, uh, because I'd have to say the path of least resistance to getting to an employer it would be something like a defense contractor. And I say that because those are often heavily staffed by former service members, and therefore they're the most likely to appreciate the skills that you requ- uh, acquired throughout your service. Uh, but that's not most employers. For most employers, I think how you are perceived is dependent on how well you can present your business value. That's not to say there aren't things like tax benefits for businesses who hire recently transitioned and disabled veterans. Small businesses are very likely to value that. But your service isn't as isn't relevant if you can't show how you can uh, present your business value based on your military service, how your skills transition to what that business needs. Um, I would also uh, say to be prepared for some ignorant employers because I, I experienced one. Thankfully, it was only one. But I actually experienced an employer who had a bad perception of veterans. It, it reminds me, the example I like to bring up about this situation is it reminds me of the way v- Vietnam veterans were received whenever they returned home from war. Everyone turned their backs on them that just because they, they didn't feel good about them. They, they feel like veterans are bad, which is very small-minded and obviously wrong. But yeah, I would say if you were to ask me how employers perceive military experience or whether or not military experience gives you a leg up, aside from defense contractors, no. I wouldn't say it does. Unless you can show how your value can translate, that's the word, translate, to what they need. And the last thing I'll uh, mention on that, so you bring up, kind of a good point there that the transferable skills, you know, the, every single one of you that's a veteran listening to this or currently in the military, you have a lot of transferable skills, a lot of the quote unquote soft skills that employees are looking for. You just need to figure out how, what you did applies to the job you're going for. So as an example, let's say you're trying to be a SOC analyst, like Thomas, uh, Tom mentioned before. So let's say you were a, um, I don't know. Let's say you drew blood in the military. Was that phlebotomist or whatever? So let's say you drew blood. So to draw the blood, you don't just like jab a needle in an arm because you got to like follow a process, right? So what you put on your resume is I followed a proven process 
to, uh, to you know, achieve a measurable outcome and ensure patient safety. Bam. That's the same thing as if I give you an incident response playbook and say, follow this when there's a ransomware attack. Same thing. Now, it's not exactly the same thing, right? But that's a transferable skill. I know you can follow a process that we got in place. I know you can achieve the result we're looking for. And I know you can ensure safety of something, in this case, a patient when you did phlebotomy, but you can ensure the safety of the thing. You know, in our case, safety of our systems or our data or, our, you know, whatever, our services, you know, whatever we're trying to keep going in the company. So the transferable skills are something that I think a lot of people don't, like they'll put, I was a sniper, but a, a civilian employer doesn't know what the heck that, I mean, they're going to think you're starting you know, to start picking off their employees. Right. So like you need to, you need to like, like, like flesh out what are those transferable skills. And honestly, these days just use generative AI and see if it'll give you some ideas. Right. Just put in like, here's my skills from the military. Tell me what the civilian transferable skills are from this, you know, and just put everything it did. And it'll probably spit out something. Might Some of it might be retarded sounding and they'll be like, what the heck is this? But it should give you some ideas and that'll help you, you know, be able to craft your resume a little better and stuff like that. So, um, Tom, I want to ask you, like, as far as career advice, if someone's either civilian side trying to get into a cybersecurity role or they're transitioning military, but maybe they didn't have a tech background in the military, what are kind of, kind of your like final thoughts or advice for those types of individuals? So great questions. Uh, I would say specifically for uh, transitioning service members, let's start with them. I'd say it depends on where you're at in your military service. I'd say if you are nowhere close to the end of the military, of the, excuse me, the end of your military service, I'd say to start by taking advantage of your tuition assistance benefit. Go to college. Uh, some college programs even offer programs for certifications that are relevant to your studies. So take advantage of that. I would also recommend proactively engaging with your leadership to get into cybersecurity certification courses. In the Army, we had a program called ATARS. Different services have different programs. Uh, but engage, they all re require you engage with your leadership to get into those courses. Now, if you're towards the end of your service, or even if you just finished your service, there are still many free resources that don't count against your veteran benefit allotments like your GI Bill. Uh, programs like Onward Opportunity, that program will actually give you a free course and certification exam from a massive list of industry-relevant credentials. Uh, there's another program, I'm not sure if it's still around, but Fortivet. Uh, it's from a cybersecurity company called Fortinet. Their program allows you to practice interviewing, and they actually send your resume to a very big network of Fortinet partners. And that program is actually how I received some of my interviews. Uh, there are other programs, but those are the first two that come to mind. Uh, for everyone else, again, it's all about uh, showing your business value, networking, you know, farming that network like you were mentioning earlier, Ken. It, it takes time. Success doesn't happen overnight. Um, our culture is definitely an instant gratification type culture where we expect we place an order, we expect to get it quickly, we put in an effort, we expect to see the fruit immediately. That's just not how this works. It's going to take time. Set goals for yourself and set something to strive towards so that you're not wandering aimlessly. Because for me, I, I do not do well with wandering aimlessly. If someone tells me to study networking, okay, what's, what's, what's something I could work towards? For me, that was Network Plus. And even even breaking that breaking that down even further, I learned the exam objectives. I started with one exam objective, then moved to the next exam objective, and breaking that down even further, I learned one concept, moved to the next concept. Break your path down into parts that are manageable and achievable, 
so you can give yourself something to work towards. Uh, that's the advice that I give for everyone else that isn't a military veteran or someone who's currently transitioning or someone who's early in their service. So I'm going to leave everyone with one final um, analogy of what you were saying about the career stuff, Tom. Your career is not like Amazon Prime, right? Where you place the order, a couple of days, you get it, free delivery, all that stuff. It, it doesn't work like that. It's going to take a lot of work. It's like the olden days where we buy something, we actually have to go to the store and pick it up. Crazy stuff, I know. But your your career is not Amazon Prime, right? You're not going to get it instantly. It's not instant gratification, as you mentioned, Tom. It's going to take a lot of hard work, but it can be done because many of us have done it, right? There's There's someone out there that looks just like you that's already done the things you're trying to do. You just have to put in the work, put in enough time, and you'll be there. And in fact, the more you put in the work, the less you focus on all the BS of social media and stuff like that, because you're so focused on, as Tom mentioned, he needs, like he went for net plus, right? He was focused on that. Once you've got that focus, you know, what you focus on, you attract. It's, it's simply that simple, right? It's like, let's say, for example, and real quick, you want to buy a, I don't know, a Toyota, right? So you want to buy a Toyota. Like, that's your goal. I want to buy a Toyota. That's going to be my car, my dreams or whatever. All of a sudden, you start seeing Toyotas everywhere. Every time you drive around, let's say you drive a Mazda right now and you want a Toyota. Everywhere you go, you see Toyotas all, all of a sudden. It's because you're focused on a Toyota. So that's why you see all that stuff, right? You attract it to you. In the same way with your career, if you focus on learning certain things, you start attracting the people that can help you in that area. You start attracting the courses or the random video on YouTube or something that'll answer the question you had in your mind because you're focused on that. The problem I think a lot of people have is they're scatterbrained these days because of social media, because every person is telling you to do something different, um, which is why clarity is so critical. Anyways, that we could have a whole nother podcast on this stuff. Tom, I really appreciate you coming on. You shared a ton of valuable information with the audience. And um, I mean, welcome to come back anytime. And hopefully this episode helps some of you out there that are struggling to find a cybersecurity job. Thanks, Ken. Yeah, I would love to be back sometime. I really enjoyed, I learned a few things from you and I think that's something I've kind of come to expect from every time I interact with you, Ken. I'm, I'm always learning something from you. So 